0: Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, my name is Marty Plum and I am your host of A Pen and a Napkin Podcast, the weekly coaching clinic that you can carry around with you in your pocket. Welcome to episode number 144, and out of the great state of Texas, the Lone Star State, but he's an Iowa guy, he went to college in Iowa, uh, junior college and four-year school. Mr. Kyle Cooper, the head men's basketball coach at Howard College, a junior college in Texas. Uh, really excited to have Coach Cooper on the podcast here this week. Uh, but before we start talking to Coach, we of course want to thank our founding sponsor, Cosack Chiropractic, located at 144th and Maple here in Omaha, Nebraska. Coaches, if you have an athlete who's struggling with balanced neck or spinal issues, or if you are struggling with balanced neck or spinal issues, go see Dr. Kevin, Dr. Heidi. Give them a call at 402-964-0300 or check out their practice, COSACCHIRO.com. Follow us on on Twitter, a pen and a napkin, at a pen and a napkin. We try to put out daily coaching tidbits on the Twitter handle, so be sure to follow us there. If you're listening, of course, uh, go to iTunes, download, rate, review, give us five stars, uh, give us as much momentum as you can in the rating so as we can go out and help as many coaches as we can to hone their craft. Any questions, comments, suggestions, or ideas, email me, a pen and a napkin at gmail.com. Check out a pen and a napkin.com. Pretty good. I Not, not even pretty good. Awesome. Coaching website for coaches to check out a bunch of stuff, a bunch of videos, uh, handouts, a lot of different things on a pen and a napkin.com. And if you would be so kind to check out a pen and uh patreon.com backslash a pen and a napkin to contribute financially to the success of a pen and a napkin. That would be greatly, greatly appreciated. Kyle Cooper, head men's basketball coach at Howard College, Junior College, down in uh, is it Big Springs, Texas coach. Am I am I remembering that correctly?
1: yeah it's a big spring texas yes thanks for having me on i'm excited
0: yeah well i'm excited to have you on uh just wrapped up a little uh showcase situation here that you had going on this afternoon
1: we did we had we had a tour date today where um, schools could come in and they could see us and then we staggered where they could see other schools in our league as well so Mm -hmm. it it was a great deal it was a good day
0: yeah yeah uh how many schools did you have come in
1: uh, somewhere around the twenty area. Oh wow,
0: wow, wow! And I'm assuming kind of from
1: all levels. Uh, it was primarily Division One. There was a couple of Division Twos there, but it was it was a good day.
0: Good, good, good to hear. Awesome. So, well, hey, coach. Uh, like I said, excited to have you on. Uh, we we talked a little bit before we started uh, recording. Uh, going back through the archives, you are the first junior college. Uh, coach that I've had on the podcast in a 144, whatever number I threw out there a couple of minutes ago. Uh, so uh, I, I'm excited to hear your perspective. Uh, you know, basketball is basketball, but it's a little bit different mm-hmm. at every level and your right. philosophy, the way you, way you teach the game, the way you have to do things. So uh, just really excited to hear kind of how you've done things in your career. So uh, let's get started uh, for, you know, kind of where we start out with a lot of folks. Uh, For folks that don't know a lot about Kyle Cooper and his basketball journey, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself and and how you ended up as the head men's basketball coach at Howard College.
1: Yeah, so my journey is a lot different than probably the standard journey. Um, I played. I played in high school. I played in junior college. Um, and after that, I actually started coaching. Mm-hmm. I coached at the junior college that I played at, um, called North Iowa area community college. Everyone called it. NIAC. Yep. So I, 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 coached there for six years, um, on between a two to two to $6,000 stipend. Wow. So I did that for, did that for six years, you know, while working another job or two or sometimes three on the side. Um, then I, I wanted to be a head coach as everyone does. And it's an extremely hard profession to get a head coaching job. And I just, I just couldn't get one.
2: Yeah.
1: Um, so I, I got offered a head coaching job at a school in that same league called Little Priest Tribal College. Mm-hmm. Uh, they had they had won three games in three years, and it was, it was a new startup. They only had 100 enrollment. It was a, it was a tough job. Uh, they only paid like an $8,000 stipend, mm-hmm. which a lot of people didn't want to probably do that. That's and right. I looked at it as an opportunity to where it's my chance. Yeah, uh, That's the way I – so I, I went to Little Priest. Um, I was there for one year. Where's uh, that? Where's that gym. located at, Coach? So it's in Winnebago, Nebraska. Oh, sure. Native, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. Yep. So
0: yep,
1: We, uh, I would work overnight from – we would practice from 7 at night at the local high school because we didn't have a gym. Sure. So they would let us use it from 7 at night at night, and I'd work overnight from 10 p.m. to 8 a.m. Um, at a mental health institution and then get up and do it all over again. So Okay. Went from went from there. We had a lot of success there one year. Um, then we went from there to uh, – I was a full-time assistant at Mississippi Gulf Coast Community College. Uh, in the Gulfport, Mississippi area Was there for one year um, Head coach, retired Thought I was going to get the job Ended up not getting the job and Ended up being a blessing wow. um, So then I went from there to uh, Western Texas College As an assistant And I was the assistant for about three weeks And then our head coach Got a Division One assistant job And I got elevated to the head coach position there So very, very blessed for that I was there for uh, Western Texas for two years Where we had a, a good amount of success um, and then I went to Tarleton state last year mm-hmm. where I worked for a head coach, Billy Gillespie. And now I'm at, now I'm at Howard college mm-hmm. as a head coach.
0: Mm-hmm. So you have, uh, you have really run the gamut coach. I mean, you've, you've, you've done some, what's, what's, uh, you, you, you talk about those six years at NIAC and refreshing That's, that's, that's Fort Dodge, isn't it?
1: No, it's a Mason city. Oh, Mason yeah. city. Okay. Mesa, Mesa. All right.
0: Mason city. Yep. Yeah. Um, I, I get I get those goofed up in in that middle part of the state there. Uh, right. what uh, so you said you're working one, two, three jobs at a time, working side hustles. Uh, mm-hmm. what what's uh, what's perhaps the the most interesting uh, hustle you had going on during those years?
1: Well, the one that everyone likes to probably talk about is I, I dealt poker for the World Series of Poker. Oh, I would say that's wow. probably the <laughs> that's probably the one everyone likes to talk about. I also did some uh, mental worked at a mental health institution overnight. Um, so those are probably the two main ones.
0: Gotcha, gotcha. How'd you get into the World Series of Poker?
1: I was always a poker player. Mm-hmm. And I, I played a lot, and then it became illegal um, to play online, and then I started Ooh. dealing oh, okay. dealing cards. Okay. Um, so that's kind of how I got into it.
0: Yeah, okay. So you have, uh, and I think your story is is really, when, when you sent me uh, the, the stuff in, I, I was really interested. One of the first things I wanted to ask you about is, you know, you, you have just really been a grinder in in your career. I mean, you have, a lot of people talk about how they're willing to do the things that you've done. Uh, working two or three jobs so that you can coach for two to six thousand dollars a year, and then you get a—and I'm right. using air quotes here—a full-time gig for eight thousand dollars a year. And you're, uh, uh, but but you have uh, you have you have not only talked the talk, you have walked the walk. Uh, where does that uh, desire uh, come from, and and what you know what can you say to to other people who who uh, are maybe kind of in in your headspace that that they're thinking the same way that you are
1: I, I think the main thing is just be where your feet are. be be where your feet are mm-hmm. I think that's that's really the main thing that I always tell myself whether I was at Nyack or little priest wherever I was at that was my Kentucky if mm-hmm. that makes sense like mm-hmm. I was there and I was just focused on that job and you gotta love what you do like mm-hmm. i that's the big thing i I love coaching basketball and I love trying to help help kids turn into young men so mm-hmm. When you really love what you do, um, you're going to want to do that. You're going to want to put in those extra time, those extra hours, and then then just believe in yourself as far as just staying up late or whatever it may be, and perfecting your craft. Yeah, So that'd be my advice on that.
0: Yeah. Was there ever any uh, a little doubt that kind of creeped into the back of your mind a little bit as you're going through this journey before you finally got to, you know, the last two or three places you've been at have been you know a lot more stable for you financially and that type of thing.
1: Right, I wouldn't say doubt. I would say frustration. Whenever <laughs> I was, I didn't when I didn't get the Mississippi Gulf Coast job. That was some frustration. I um, mean, I had proven to be a successful head coach. We, we, we won a lot. A little priest. We sent a kid into major division one. um and I thought I was going to get that, and then when I didn't, there there was some frustration. But again, then everything happens for a reason. Mm-hmm. You just got to believe that and then move on. So, and it, it happened to be a real blessing. Three yep. weeks later, I'm the well, why? three weeks later after I get to Western Texas then coach Andre Owens is going to Sam Houston and mm-hmm. I get elevated
0: yeah uh, when you're talking about that frustration and, and, and being told no uh, how did you turn that frustration into and, and take that negative into a positive
1: well I think the main thing is, is third choice I think is just really just to work it's always been my mentality whether I was a player or whatever it's just you know, just put your head down and work that's mm-hmm. really what it's about you know like, a is going to get you nowhere so that's always been me, so you just got to work harder, mm-hmm. you know. Um, I remember when I was working overnights, I have a book. I love to study the Spurs. So I'd have a great Popovich book where I'd watch all their games for the whole year, and I would watch all of his sets and his ATOs and all all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, just just work, that would be my advice. Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, when, you know, and I don't want to put you through any PTSD here, Kyle, uh, but uh, <laughs> when, when, you, when you did not get those jobs – uh, that you wanted or other jobs that you had applied for, uh, what was your, I mean, did you, you know, did you talk to the search committee after it was over? Hey, what could I do differently? What did you like about what I did? What do you, you know, what are some things that I can improve on? Uh, cause obviously you've been through a lot of interviews the last few years with Hi. as many, uh, places that you've been to. So preparing for those interviews, what, you know, what did you learn Interview after interview, uh, how did how did that help you prepare you for when you really wanted that next gig or uh, you know going from there? And, and how did you uh, how did you take that constructive criticism and you know help you help yourself uh, you know hone right. your hone your craft there a little bit?
1: Right. Well, I think every I always try to find out what, after a job if I can you know respectfully what what they liked and didn't like you know to help me improve as I'm going forward. Um, and really, what comes down to you, every person who's looking to hire someone they, they want something or like whether they don't i don't really know what they're looking for every job is kind of different
2: mm-hmm. like
1: they might want some some might want a really good player of the past some might want someone who's locally and all those different examples whatever it may be so um i really think you, you can everything you can always learn you should always be trying to learn and better yourself um, then also if you, if you don't get selected for a job only one person does yeah then you just move on and try to get better
0: yeah um uh- Preparing for interviews. You know, this was not on the uh, this was not on the agenda. So we're, we're zigging. I'm already zigging on you, Kyle. So, uh, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, your advice. Like I said, you you've you. I, I know one thing. I went. I did an interview for like sixteen. No, longer than sixteen years. Almost twenty years. And mm-hmm. I felt like I was not good. Uh, the first couple that I went on, or I was not as good as I wanted to be. Uh, so, right. so your advice for preparing for interviews, preparing for. Uh, you know, getting your your ducks in a row. How to apply for a job because you you know you've been through this process quite a bit lately. Uh, so so folks that are listening, that maybe. Uh, you know, a lot of positions are kind of set going into this year, not to say that there isn't a few things that might crack open right. as we move forward here. Uh, but as coaches go into this season and maybe they're looking to move on after this season or, or entertaining that possibility, uh, what are some what is uh, some major pieces of advice that you give folks that uh, preparing for interviews, preparing for applying for jobs, going into interviews, what are some things that you would recommend?
1: I would say put a lot of time into it. I would say look at look at the job description, like when you're applying for a job, because there'll be a lot of things in that job description that will come up on the interview, like whether it's uh, HR or fundraising or whatever it may be. Every job's different, so I would look at the job description, um, and then I would try to find people around the job or who knew of the job as much as I could, and just try to figure out what they're looking for. You know, like what what they want, what their values are and try to talk to as many people around it as I could, so that way I'm, I know kind of what they're thinking before I go in if I can. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, you had mentioned, uh, you know, some some blessings. You know, you, you were frustrated at the time, but they turned out to be blessings. And and as your, your, your road has taken you, you got the opportunity to work with uh, a very well-known coach in Billy Gillespie, um, mm-hmm. you know, kind of, kind of two things with Billy, uh, you know, he's, he's been really, really successful in a lot of ways, yes. but he's, you know, obviously had a lot of ups and downs in his career. Right. Um, uh, you know, so, so let's start with, uh, the successful part of things. Uh, what, what did you learn working with Billy for, for a year, uh, and yeah, about coaching, about coaching your teams? And, and just overall philosophy, what did you take from him that, that helps make him be such a, an effective coach uh, at quite a few stops?
1: Oh, no question. I mean, I, I, learned, I learned so much from Coach. I really did. And I still talk to Coach multiple times a week. Um, he really made me a better coach. I think the main thing that – there's a lot of things I got from Coach, but just the attention to detail and the way he does everything. Like It doesn't matter what it is. It needs to be done right. Um, and he just takes pride in everything that we're doing. It doesn't matter what it is. If it's involving our program, it needs to be done correctly uh, in the way he wants it done. And then just how to get guys to compete and just how important that is, you know, every single day in practice of of bringing that energy um, and really getting the most most out of your guys. And the thing kind of about Coach 2 is just to take care of the players. Uh Like, man, he harps on taking care of those players. Like, as an assistant, like, you're constantly taking care of the players, taking care of the players. Um, making sure they're doing what they need to do off the court, getting them in the gym, all all that kind of stuff. Um, that's the thing people probably don't talk about a lot. But he really, really does put a big emphasis on that.
0: Mm-hmm. When you're saying taking care of the players, is that making sure uh, you, you're trying to make their life as easy as you can? I, I think is is kind of what you're saying. You know, making sure their classes are, are in a row, they have right. got their tutors taken care of. I mean, am I am I in rowing in the right direction here, Kyle?
1: Yeah, with that and then also just on a personal basis. Uh-huh. Like talking to them every day and going and sitting down and talking, how how was your day? How's your family? What's going on? And just really building those relationships. Um it's something I learned is is extremely important, you know, like getting getting to know them like beyond just the kind of not the coach and more of like just figuring out what what they're like, you know, outside of basketball. So
0: uh-huh.
1: I think that's a really really big thing too It's something I want to you doing.
0: Mhm. Uh-huh. Uh uh, on the flip side of that, like 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 I had mentioned, you know, uh, Coach Gillespie uh, kind of wrote, kind of had a meteoric rise, and he, you yeah. know, uh, obviously, he, there's been a couple of, of places that he struggled at, um, yeah. and and had you know some some personal issues that he had to deal with, uh, and and sounds like he's you know in a in a much much better place than than he than he was at a, at previous times, you know, but right. but obviously you uh, you know there were. Um, I think when you, and again, I don't know the man. Uh, just this is all completely from the outside looking in. I think one of the important things that you would learn from from his journey is being at a place that is good for you. That that there's 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 yes. good jobs for you, and there right. are jobs that are not really you're not really meant to have, even though you might want to have that job, so to speak. Uh, you know, what, uh, uh, sounds like I'm going in the right direction, just kind of, you know, you Correct. know, in the, in You're the, in the year. Right. So, right. yeah, you, know, you know, what did you learn from kind of the ups and downs, uh, and and unfortunately the downs of coach Gillespie's career that have helped you kind of mature and look at your career, maybe in a different way.
1: And he's the first one too. he'll, he'll say he's made mistakes in his career. He's sure. the first one where he'll say, you know, he's made mistakes. He wishes he did this different. He wishes he did that different. Um, and then it's really, like you said, it's being where you're comfortable, being where your feet are and being somewhere like he loves Tarleton. He's from about an hour up the road and he loves it. And it's, it's really him kind of the way that A&M was very, very him. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So just being in a spot where you're where you're comfortable, you know, I think that really helps you just just every day as mm-hmm. far as your how you're feeling. That leads to your, your success as a team. Too. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Uh- bigger is never, it's not, all, bigger is never always, or ugh, I can't talk all of a sudden, bigger is not always better, is it, Kyle?
1: Right, right. Oh, yeah, you're exactly right on that. Yeah, bigger's bigger's not always better. I'm not one as big on, like, the labels of levels either, you know, uh-huh. like, I just want to be a spot where I can, where I can coach basketball, and I, I enjoy where I'm at. Mm-hmm. So, and I get to spend time with my family, and that's my main thing, to be honest with you. Coaches
0: are absolutely loving are taking over a new program booklet. As many of you know, I spent two years outside of coaching, and during that time, I hung a note card in my workspace at school that said, strip the house down to the studs. I took that time to really rethink and reorganize my thoughts on what it takes to run a transformational program. As I prepared for the possibility of coaching again, I organized these thoughts into this 96-page booklet. How much do I trust this booklet? I used this booklet as I went on interviews to help sell myself and my vision for what my new program would look like. If I'm using it to sell myself, why wouldn't I recommend it to you, my listeners? This booklet will help you look at any part of your program, no matter what stage you're at in your program, and help improve it in some way. It's all yours for only $15, which includes shipping and handling. For more information, email me at a pen and a napkin at gmail.com. So, like I said, Coach, at the, at the beginning of our role here, uh... You are you are the first junior college coach that that I've had on the podcast, which is kind of crazy to believe. That's me doing a bad job being a podcast host because I, I try to pride myself into bringing in as many different perspectives as I can, and so uh, every job is different. Uh, your job is different than my job as a high school girls basketball coach, and and you know so forth and so on. Uh, you know, talk about the the junior college level. Maybe some things that folks uh, don't realize about the junior college level when it comes to uh, maybe resources, the way you have to stretch yourself at a small school, uh, you know, just different perceptions. Just, you know, just just talk about your job a little bit. Uh, And and you have a, a... a little bit different perspective is that you're the AD so not only are you looking at your program right. but you're looking at uh multiple programs you got some baseball some softball some women's basketball going on down there as well amongst some other yep. things so uh you know just tell us a little bit about the uniqueness of coaching at the junior college level
1: yeah sure I mean so usually you're getting kids and the main thing at junior college wise is that's not it's a stepping stone for kids, and we, we say that all the time. Like, if you're if your goal and your dream is to play at Howard College, then we probably have the wrong guy.
2: Mm-hmm. You know, like
1: we want to we want to be your stepping stone, and we want to turn on ESPN. Hopefully, we're we'll watching you play in March Madness. You know, like that's that's the goal. You know, for guys moving on. So you got 15 guys every year that want to move on and want to leave. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's their goal to go on and play whatever level it may be. So just managing that is is the main thing as far as JUCO goes. Um, and then also resource wise, you don't have. Depends on where you're at, but you don't have the bigger budgets, so you don't have as much. Like I've been at school before where you don't have, you got to do laundry every night as a coach, as a head coach. Like you're doing, you're doing laundry, or you don't have a ball rack, or you don't like I don't have a gym, <laughs> um, whatever, whatever it may be. You know. So, I mean, you really learn how to do everything too. That's what the good thing about Coach Gillespie said it all the time um about being a juco assistant, you learn how to do everything mm-hmm. like we're doing we're doing the academic stuff we're taking the kids in to do their financial aid we're doing all that kind of stuff to where when you do go to the four-year level or you move on you're prepared uh-huh. um, and you know how to do a little bit of everything i mean mm-hmm. you're not on a staff with eight to ten guys it's usually you as a head coach and then an assistant coach mm-hmm. that's really about it and mm-hmm. you gotta do everything
0: hmm as, as you've been a head coach, how do you work with your uh, assistant coach and, and try to get the most out of, you know two, two fellas trying to help these, these 14, 15 young men achieve their dreams?
1: Yeah, so I think the, the main thing for my assistants is I want them to be prepared to be head coaches. The okay. same way you want, your, you want your players to move on and go to a spot where they're happy, they're going to be successful. It's the same thing for your assistants, the way I look at it. So like you want them involved in every aspect, um, whether it be academic or scouting, essentially all the, all the day-to-day stuff, player development, and then giving them little pieces of practice here and there where they can just they have a chance to have a voice. You know, cause mm-hmm. it's a lot different when you're the guy out there and you're the guy talking, and they're all listening. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I think really just trying to prepare them um, is what I really want to do with with our system. So, with that comes a lot of responsibility. I mean, you're going to have to do you're going to have to do a lot of things. But when hopefully your number's called and you get a chance to be a head coach, you're, you're prepared for that.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh... At your level, you you've got you, like I you said, you're you're looking to get guys to the Division One level, get them to the tournament, hopefully see them in March Madness and all that that stuff. Uh, but that's also comes with its own set of challenges because if you have fifteen fellas that are aspiring, will, there's one ball, there's only five fellas on the floor right. at a time, and but and, and so you're you're expected to win games. You want to win games because you're competitive. But you also want to give your players as many of your players, I would imagine, uh, as many opportunities as they can to showcase themselves and their abilities. so how how do you manage your roster in that way? because, like you said, you are a stepping stone and And I love what right. you said where you you know, if your dream is to play at Howard College, then we're probably talking to the wrong kid and And I think that's a great perspective to have. so how how do you? How do you how do you balance all of these things and and, and still put together a, a productive product uh, that you know you're going to be able to also perhaps look to do some really good things for yourself?
1: Right, no question. So I mean, I think the main thing is just getting a group. I'm really big on trying to bring in character guys as best we can um, of guys that are about winning. I mean cuz you know as well as I do if you're you're winning 20 25 whatever it may be games a lot of guys on that team are going to get recruited if you're out there you're not winning very many games it's hard to get anyone recruited mm-hmm. so I mean I think just getting everyone to buy in as far as a team, as far as we win, we are all successful. And at the same time, you say you want to go on and you want to play at the Division One level, well, you're, you're going to have a role at that level, more than likely, you know, whatever your role may be. So you've got to prove you can play with Division One guys. Mm-hmm. Coaches want to see that, too, where you're not the only Division One guy on the team. You've got to play with other Division One players. So I think if you embrace that right, it just makes yourself more marketable and more, and more recruitable. But it really starts with, uh, I think, getting everyone to buy in about the team. And about team, with team success comes individual success, and when you do that, you have a special, you have a special group, and that is the most challenging part. Um, that's what we try to do.
0: Uh huh. How do you, when, when you go into, I, you probably haven't been into too many living rooms the last couple of years with COVID and everything, but you're recruiting right. kids. Uh, you know how how do you uh recruit in in that regard how do you sell your program and and you talk about those qualities uh, i imagine you're just pretty straightforward with it
1: exactly i'm, I'm very straightforward i mean I'm, we're very honest uh that's, i'm big on that just having you know building a relationship with them and telling them well, we're not for everybody mm-hmm. like, we're not like if you don't if you don't want to compete same with a lot of other programs out there then we're probably not the spot for you like we want guys who want to come in and who want to compete um and that's really what we try to find those those kind of guys, mm-hmm. you know. And again, you're right. We haven't really been in the living rooms a ton late recently with <laughs> uh, with COVID. That was a that's been a whole whole ordeal. But yeah, um, yeah. We're really just trying to find those guys.
0: Yeah. Uh, what's one thing that you would like folks to know uh, that might be a, a a negative stereotype of junior college basketball? That, that's, that that's, that's untrue. That's untrue. Excuse me. I didn't, I didn't follow up very well with that. So.
1: I would say that all kids are here because of grades or bad attitudes and that kind of thing. I think mm-hmm. that you hear that kind of a lot. Like what's, what's wrong with him, that kind of stuff.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, it's not, it's nowhere close to being true. I mean, I've coached some phenomenal, phenomenal people at the junior college level. And there's a lot of reasons why people go junior college, whether you're looking to you're a transfer from division one and you want to have a bigger role to go back to Division One, or maybe you're a high school um, non-qualifier who doesn't do well on the test, but you're a great person. Mm-hmm. Or you're a, you're a qualifier who got who got passed on, and you want to prove you can play at the, at the higher level. So I think that's probably the biggest stereotype you get, you know, and it's just so far from being true. Mm-hmm. It really is.
0: Yep, yep. A pen and a napkin university videos are just another way that a pen and a napkin can help you become a better coach. Our university video library is constantly expanding with topics ranging from interviewing for a job to full court defense to 25 universal truths about coaching. Our university videos will help you round out your skill set as a coach and help you hone your craft. Videos are $10 a piece with bundling options available. To order, you can DM me on Twitter, send me an email at a pen and a napkin at gmail.com or order from our website, a pen and a napkin.com. Be sure to check out the A Pen and a Napkin Video Library. All right, Coach, at this time, uh, we have our John Wooden quote of the day. And uh, what we do is I, I, I select a quote from uh, Wooden's book, uh, Wooden, A Lifetime of, of Observations, and I, and I throw the quote out and, and we talk about it for a couple of minutes. I'm going to give you first crack to talk about it um and so coach cooper are you ready for the john wooden quote of the day yeah let's have it all right all right so and this one's a little bit longer so i might read it a little bit slower because it's a it's a it's a lot to uh digest so i, I apologize for that but uh from page 52 of wooden A lifetimes of, of observation the john wooden quote of the week this week is you have little say over how big or how strong or how smart, or how rich someone else may be. You do have, at least you should have, control of yourself and the effort you give towards bringing out your best in whatever you're doing. This effort must be total, and when it is, I believe you have achieved personal success.
1: That's a good one. Yeah, so I mean, when I think about that, when I hear that, I think about just focus on yourself. Mm-hmm. and not. And not to worry about others. Don't worry about the outside noise, or so and so is doing this, or so and so is getting this job, whatever it may be. Um, just worry about yourself. Again, be where, be where your feet are. Focus on yourself. Focus on getting better as a as a coach, as a person, whatever whatever it may be. And just don't worry about the outside stuff.
0: Absolutely, yeah, and and I and I agree with you there. And uh, you know, I kind of have a saying that that I use quite a bit with our team. Uh, yesterday's over. Tomorrow's not here yet. So let's only worry about today. And Love it. and uh, you know we we talk about that all the time, and uh, so that one kind of ties into that there. Uh, Coach Wooden, the English major. I'm a history major, so I've struggled to put words together that eloquently. Uh, but so uh, you, you know, so Coach, I'll, I'll leave Coach Wooden to say to say it like the way he said it. So, um, all right, Coach, let's uh, let's jump into your X's and O's philosophy here. The stuff you uh, like to do. The stuff you're implementing with your players uh and and uh you're a defensive guy you know reading your bio i could tell you want to get after it defensively uh really play aggressive defense and uh just control the tempo of the game in that regard uh so coach at this time i'm just going to kind of let you cook uh talk a little bit about your defensive philosophy what you do uh if you want to talk about maybe some drills that you use to implement it uh if i if i have a question if i have a follow-up question i'll do my best to to Uh, interrupt you as politely as I possibly can here Uh, but uh, just go ahead and tell us about your your man-to-man defensive philosophy your overall defensive philosophy and what you're doing to uh, to teach your kids to play great defense there at Howard College
1: yeah sure so I mean something we say all the time on the defensive end if you're trying to take away everything you end up taking away nothing so first, you got to figure off what you can live with. You're gonna give a, you're gonna give a little something no matter what you're doing. I think there's always a counter. Um, so for us, we're we're primarily in gaps on the defensive end. Um, mm-hmm. We want contested jump shots off the dribble outside the paint. Obviously, that's what that's what we want over a hand. Um, we don't want rhythm threes, and we don't want the ball getting to the basket and people shooting in the paint. Mm-hmm. So that's really a big emphasis for us. Um, we really try to protect the paint. Um, I said we're in gaps. Uh, we try to. If you're in that gap, your your butt should be your butt should be to the ball. You'd call it a boxer stance. You're in, like you're mm-hmm. square up to box. We call it a boxer stance where your hands active and you're in that you're in that gap, you're in that pass lane a little bit. Um, and we constantly work on stunning and different things of that sort. Um, and when the ball gets thrown, in, kind of a unique thing we do is we switch one through five at the base. Or well, we do have wrinkles, obviously. Yeah. Um, but we. We switch one through five as a base, and when the ball gets thrown in, we primarily double from the baseline, um, and then we will deny the first pass back out, and then we'll form a tandem mm-hmm. in the middle where we go ba- we go basket and we go nail, and we, that's been very effective for us uh, in the past couple of years, and we again, we have tweaks to that too where we can do different things, um, but that's been very, very effective as far as taking away the basket. You know, So we don't want teams to score in there. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times when the ball gets thrown into those those bigger posts, we want to make them make a skilled play. Mm-hmm. Like, let's see if – take away that obvious pass back out, and let's see if they can throw a, a, a skip pass across the court to someone in the shot pocket. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, that's something we, we really do um, a lot. As far as favorite drills, um, probably my one of my favorite ones, and we call it four-on-four cutthroat. We mm-hmm. do this almost every single day. Yeah, where we'll have you're probably familiar. Yep. We do it uh, three groups. Um, where we'll throw we'll be underneath. Four guys are touching the basketball. Four lines up top. Ball gets thrown out like in your standard sh- shell positions, and you, and you play, and just like almost all of our drills, you get rewarded on the defensive end. So the only way you can score a point is getting a defensive rebound. So if you score, you go to defense. If they if they get an offensive rebound, they they go to defense, and then you gotta you gotta score by getting a defensive rebound. So it's a great way to make those guys care. I think about uh-huh. defense, and they want to compete. So that's that's one of my favorites. Um, another favorite one we do is uh, we do we call it call it three on three no paint, which is kind of a similar philosophy where three guys are touching the ball. You got a a line up top, a line on each wing, and the coach will throw the ball out and they'll sprint to close out, and then they play for twenty seconds and the office of the office of players they cannot cut especially when you're early on and they can only catch the ball behind the three-point line
2: mm-hmm.
1: um, on on the defensive side we don't want the ball going to the elbow we don't want it going to go into the middle now if you're going to dribble towards half court that's a non-threatening drive for us so we're fine with
2: that mm-hmm.
1: we really want to force you to the corner we don't want the ball going straight line down we'll you go the corner so um, in this drill, you'll catch them on the wing. Traditionally, you'll drive, and then the bottom of that helpline will cut. The top of the helpline will sink level to the basketball, and the ball will get thrown out. And then whoever cuts that ball will have to scramble um, to guard, usually the guy at top, because when the ball gets thrown out, then you play off that. So that's a really good one because you get to work on multiple things, and it gets pretty competitive. Um, and then also, another one we do, we call it kill drill, which I'm sure Coach Adams at Texas Tech, where we got it from, where mm-hmm. you're playing full court and you got to get, we do. You can go with any variation you want, where it can be sixty seconds or ninety seconds or whatever it is. We do ninety seconds, where you got to get essentially three stops in a row, um, where they can't get. We call it the box, where they can't get in the box by the by the basket. They can't get an elbow touch. They got to have high hand closeouts. You can be as tough on that as as you want. Honestly, mm-hmm. you can pick whatever really you want, and then if they don't do it, then you start the whole thing over. And it's it's a great conditioning drill. It's also great for getting your guys some some mental toughness and want them compete a
0: little bit. Mm-hmm. So. Um couple of follow-ups and I think I heard this. Uh on ball, uh I, it sounded like to me you, you like to force a baseline area, uh take the the no middle stuff. Did I hear that correctly?
1: We do, yeah. So we we like to force it really we say to the corner. We don't go to the extreme that we never want to go up a straight line. Like our butt is always to the rim. Um, our inside foot is going to be a little on the inside of their top foot, to where they just we just don't want to get to the elbows. Mm-hmm. You know, that's that's really that's really our main thing. But we don't want to get beat straight lines.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it is part of that uh, making it more difficult to reverse it as well?
1: Yeah, I think it is. It really just kind of takes away flow. It keeps the ball on one side, and if it does get thrown reversed is non-threatening
2: mm-hmm. you
1: know that's really the, the goal is if they want to reverse it we're fine with that as long as it's a non-threatening reversal
2: mm-hmm. well we
1: don't want the, we, we want nothing getting thrown towards the basket again mm-hmm. you, know, you, you can't take away everything everyone has different philosophies yep. um we're willing to live with contested jump shots you know we have different things we do for different guys as far as if you have a really good shooter we might guard that gap a little differently compared to where if you have a non-shooter we'll guard that gap um but we, we want guys shooting jump shots off the bounce. That's really what we want, and making them earn those hard twos. You know, that's really, like, that's, a, that's our goal defensively.
0: Uh-huh. Uh, and, and you, uh, again, I apologize if I missed this here. Uh, how you're playing the post. Um, you, you, you talked about kind of rotation and pinning down there. Are you, are you starting out with a full behind, or are you going a three-quarter bottom topside? What are you doing there? And, I, again, I apologize if I missed that there.
1: No, that's great. I, I, yeah, I didn't talk about that. We go, we will three-quarters from the top. Okay. Um, and we make it to where it's essentially it's a deny and like uh-huh. we don't want the ball going into the post. So that's something we do to where it's essentially the ball doesn't go there. It's a deny. We will front at times too, uh-huh. um, but regardless, if the ball gets thrown in there, we traditionally will go and double. Um, then we'll deny the first pass back out. A big's going to want to throw it to the obvious pass back out uh-huh. traditionally. Um, and if and if a big's good enough to catch it and square, when they dribble back, we usually run away. We can also stay trapped as well, just depends on who the player is. Yeah. Um, but if a big's going to catch it there and square up and beat your double, you're probably in trouble anyways. honestly. <laughs> you know what I mean?
0: <laughs> no, no. You you're you're uh, you could be at uh, my practice and my girls would hear the 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 literally I say the same thing. We we do a lot of uh, force baseline sideline and and try to force them into the coffin corner if they if they put it on yep. the floor and. And, and I literally, I'm laughing Kyle because I'm, I'm like, if if we get a gal that consistently drives baseline and can turn and throw that pass on a line, uh, to the weak side and the slot, we're probably in trouble anyway. That's literally the same. That's (laughs) literally the same thing I say. So that's why I'm kind of chuckling to myself here about a thousand miles away because, uh, you know, (laughs) that's exactly what I'm telling my kids in my gym as well. So, uh, that's funny. Um, I I, I I apologize in advance if I offend you here with this question, all right? Uh, yeah. The Z word, zone. Jesus. z oh, zone, okay.
1: Gotcha.
0: okay. Is, yeah, zone. Uh, do, do you teach any zone? Do you change it up at all? If so, uh, what do you run? Uh, what do you look to do out of it? You know, so forth and so on.
1: We, we don't play very much zone. Um, where If you look at our – we're about 99% main, 1% zone. Okay. We will have zones in. Um, and the main reason why we have zones in is to practice against them when teams try to zone us. Uh-huh. So we will have, we'll have multiple zones in, and we can, we can throw a wrinkle at someone if we need to. Um, but I've always been one to where we don't focus on a lot of things. I mean, we focus on just a couple you yeah. know, and we want to be, be really, really good at those. Mm-hmm. But, no, we will do – we will do – we will play a couple of zones, and it's primarily in practice, but we do have the ability to change into that. But you'll see – this is my philosophy. Some coaches will are really good at running seven or eight different zones and all that kind of stuff. And we really don't believe in that. We really focus on just one thing and walking on that and being great at that, hopefully, compared to being average in a lot of different things. Uh, um, I know some coaches can do that. It's just not really me.
0: Yeah, well, and, and, and again, you know, there's there's a – there's a thousand different ways to win at this game, you know, and exactly. and exactly. Uh, with what you're doing and the advantage that you would have is, okay, here's our base system. We know this inside and out, uh, but here to you know tomorrow night when we when we play whoever. Uh, here's the little tweak we're going to make in our system. We're going to do that. We're going to double the post a little bit differently here tonight, or we're going to get into help off of this kid really hard all night long, you know, so forth and so on. And, and I'm guessing that's part of your preparation process as well.
1: Exactly. Yeah, there's little tweaks you have. No matter who you're playing, like you, you can figure out, like, we're going to tweak this a little different this game, we're going to tweak this a little different this game, but the core, of the base usually stays usually stays the same. Mm hmm.
0: Mm hmm. Uh, Let's talk. You mentioned some drills that you like to run there, uh, the 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 Snow Valley Cutthroat four on four, and and I really like the the, the, the no paint idea. Uh, that's that's a really uh, good thing. We've done that before, uh, especially when uh, we've had a, a JV team that is maybe not as good. You know our. 7 through 12 or 13 is not nearly as good as our 1 through 6, so you come up with new right. and different ways to challenge your your 1 through 6, and, you know, just they get it to the paint, they win the possession. You know, that type of thing right. I think is, is is something that's pretty common or, or something that I've done before. Uh, what about... What about your uh, you know some other things that you'd like to run what offense defense any any of your kind of what I call desert island drills meaning you're stuck on a desert island the basketball gods are only going to let you run these three or four drills for the for the rest of mankind here you're stuck here forever and you can run any th- you can run four drills that you want to run but these are the only four drills that you get to run to help teach the game what are they going to be coach Cooper
1: well, for sure, it's four on four shell. Mm-hmm. I mean, shell is one that we do. I mean, we do, especially early in the year, build up wise, we do shell you know, almost every single day. And then our defenses are primarily, I would say, probably 80 20 defense to offense, somewhere in that, in that ballpark. But we do, we do a lot of defense. Um, so I would definitely say shell, uh, that cutthroat, no paint. And then a kill drill. I mean, all defensive drills that you also work on your offense as well when mm-hmm. you're when you're going against that. So, and also another one we like is is very similar to kill drills is perfect possession. Where we got to yeah. have you can, we can do it in the half court or you can do it full court. Whereas uh, essentially you got to go have a perfect possession, and you can define what you what you think a perfect possession is. Um, and you just make it as competitive as possible. I think mm-hmm. that's the main thing for us in practice. And we don't go. We're not one to go for three hours or three and a half hours of practice. We we go we try to go really hard for an hour and a half, you know. Some days you might go two, but it's probably about an hour and a half to two, somewhere in that area. Mm-hmm. And really is when we're in there, just going. Like yeah. we don't really like to stop a lot, we like to just constantly go.
0: Yeah. And 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 what's the philosophy behind that? You know, uh just just going. Just we're gonna come in, we're gonna bust it, uh, we're gonna condition we it it's just gonna be constant motion. Get in, get out, get our work done and we roll from there.
1: I think it's just I think it's just kind of a mentality. Yeah. You know, I think, I yeah. think it's just one of the things well, when we step on the court it's business. I think it's kind of uh, when we step on the we're gonna work, we're not gonna be standing around talking and all that kind of stuff. Like we're we're out here, we're between the lines, we're gonna get better. You know, we're gonna go really, really hard we're gonna hopefully lock into attention to detail and um uh, and get what we need out of it in an hour and a half. So I've been sometimes some guys will go for three hours, three and a half, and you can get more done in an hour and a half than you can three three or three and a half. You know what I mean? It really yeah. just depends on um your focus and what you're trying to accomplish and a lot of different variables like that.
0: Yeah. I have I have used the line uh numerous times. You know, if we do what we're supposed to do, we should be out of here in seventy five minutes. Uh, it's up to you. Yep. We're we're gonna get done what we need to get done, but if you do it the way we're supposed to do it, I think we can be out of here in seventy five minutes. And it is amazing how hard your players will bless their tails to get out of there exactly. in seventy five minutes. You know.
1: Exactly. That's yep. what you want to build. You want to build those habits, too, I think, of competing in every possession to where it doesn't, like, linger on. Mm-hmm. Like, we're gonna, every possession is going to be competitive.
0: If you are a coach in the Omaha Council Bluffs-Lincoln area, be sure to sign up for the Metro Basketball Coaches Association Coaches Clinic Series to be held at DJ's Dugout at 114th and Dodge here in Omaha, Nebraska. The Omaha Metro Basketball Coaches Association has four clinic dates lined up, September 21st, September 28th, October 5th, and October 12th. And we'll have some of the best coaches, not only from our region, but nationwide. If you're interested in signing up for the Metro Basketball Coaches Association Coaching Clinic Series, send your registration and fee to MBCA, care of Tom Crable at Boys Town High School, 122 Heroes Boulevard, Boys Town, Nebraska, 68010. Registration fee is only $75 per coach on your coaching staff, and you won't regret signing up for the Metro Basketball Coaches Association Coaches Clinics. Uh, Coach, you talked a little bit, and and again, the uniqueness of of your position. uh, You have basically, I assume, one paid assistant coach?
2: I do. Yes.
0: Yeah. Okay. okay. One one paid assistant coach, uh, and so it's 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 Batman and Robin here uh, rolling through mm-hmm. it. Then you, then you hope you have uh, maybe one or two people that are willing to give a little bit of their their own time to help you out if, if right. you get lucky. Uh, talk right. about your. Uh, you've been an assistant coach. You've been a head coach now. Uh, what re- what are kind of some of the major things that you have delegated to your assistant coaches? And we t- we touched on it a little bit earlier, uh, but let's go into uh, more detail with that because I think sometimes the hardest thing for head coaches to do is to let go of some of their responsibilities, just because I don't know we're control freaks and yeah. uh, and we and we worry about that stuff. Uh, what do you what do you do uh, with your assistants? And and how do you uh, how do you manage that? In the sense of, are you teaching them what you want them to do once or twice, and then hey, you do it, or do you just kind of give them the freedom to do what they feel like is best? You know, how do you handle? How do you manage that staff?
1: Yeah, so I'm I'm very fortunate where I have two very good assistants, um, Taylor Lavery and Carson Hammett. I mean, they're both they're both great. Mm-hmm. Um, so the way I do it is I I put a lot on them. I really do, but I try to teach them first. As far as kind of what we want, and a lot of times they they might already know, like, mm-hmm. especially Taylor's, but he's been in it for a while, so he he already kind of has an idea of what we want to do, and I let him run with it. So I mean, they do. Taylor does all of our academics. Um, he makes sure kids are in the cars, make sure kids are going to class. I got what we got to do academically. Um, they're great about getting kids in the gym on their own for workouts. We say all the time too, or well, you want to go and play at whatever level, but you're not putting in any extra work. Right? You know, what? How? How are you different? Like, what are you doing to make yourself stand out and make you different? And they do a great job of getting guys in the gym. Um, And then also just pitching different ideas. Like, Mm -hmm. they're very, very creative. And I like to – like, when I was an assistant, I was fortunate enough through the years to where my head coach would – he would ask my ideas on different things. And I would – you have a chance to kind of voice your opinion. Um, And I like to do that. Like, I like to ask those guys what what they're thinking and what they see. You know, both of them play college basketball and what we can do better. You know, sometimes a, a different voice can really, really help you. Can see you a different perspective than you're seeing.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, with your assistant coach, uh, assistant coaches, and and your recruiting situation, and and I looked at your roster, and you got kids coming in from a lot of different places. You know, how do you handle that? Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, so really, we recruiting wise, we really just wherever the players are, we try to find them. Sure, to be honest with you. Yep, we would like to be from Texas, That's where we're located. You we always want to start close to home and work your way out. That's kind of always our recruiting philosophy. Um, but we have a good variety here, whether it be Division One, Division Two transfers, NAIA transfers. Um, you'll also get your junior college transfers and your um, straight out of high school kids, whether it's the non qualifier or qualifier, whatever it may be. But um, there's all kinds of different ways to find players, and they they do a great job. They mm-hmm. really do. Just hitting the pavement and finding guys in a lot of in a lot of areas of the Juco coast. Sometimes you got to find the kid who can play at the Division One level that no one knows about. And that, uh-huh. that can be hard. Yeah, you know, just find that kid, that diamond and that rough kind of kid. Um, but no, I let them go. One of things, like once they kind of know what they're doing, they just go out there and they they try to find us players.
0: Just. Uh... In a in a guess in a in a guesstimate the best you can guess I guess uh, you have 15 kids on your roster in order to nail it down to and and have those 15 kids on your roster how many kids do you think you talk to in a year about Howard College?
1: Well, we keep a spreadsheet kind of a, on guys that we're recruiting, and when we don't get them or whatever, maybe they commit somewhere else. We, we move it down we have a call a kickback list. Uh-huh. You know, just because they might go wherever they go and they might not like it the following year and we think it's a good fit, we might want to recruit them then. Uh-huh. So, last night, when you, you build that relationship, you want to keep track. So, I mean, sure. I would say we're talking to at least 200 kids, if not more a year, probably in that area. Wow. And not all talks lead, not all talks lead to offers. You know how that sure. goes. Oh, yeah. Yep. Um, but you're, you're doing your eval. Like, you're talking mm-hmm. to the kid, you're seeing if it's a good fit and they're seeing if they like you, if it's a good fit. But you're, you're constantly trying to find kids, especially juco-wise, like for instance, this is this is my first year here and we have a full new team. Mm-hmm. So like everyone is a whole new roster. So some you like have to flip your roster almost every year, mm-hmm. which is what division one wise we kinda turn into now and division two wise to where one you transfer in one time and you're finally a new spot the next year. So yep. Yep. that's kind of the way the, the game's evolving. Um, and you just gotta keep up with the times.
0: And and leading into uh, your your practice setup, uh, that, that I, I'm sure that evolution and that constantly evolving program has to, uh, a lot to play into your philosophy because you, you know, I'm in a situation in high school. We, you know, and even in my small town, we can start coaching our kids in our, and I'm using air quotes here, philosophy in third and fourth grade, and, and right. obviously they're not going to do it at a high school level until seventh, eighth, ninth grade or whatever, but we can start kind of indoctrinating them. You've got kids coming in and out every single year uh, in, a, in, a, in a drastically different roster almost every single season. So I, I have to imagine that plays into your philosophy as well.
1: Oh, yeah, it definitely does. Nice thing, too, especially the Juco, as far as, I mean, every year you have a new group. So you have to teach them whatever your philosophies are every year from the ground up mm-hmm. um, compared to where at four-year levels you might have guys that are back for a second or third year, whatever it may be. Um, so that's really every year you're starting from the ground up and you're building like mm-hmm. every single year.
0: So in order to in order to teach that way, you obviously have to be really, really efficient with your practices and your practice right. setup and how you put things out there. Uh, so so tell us a little bit about your practice philosophy, your practice setup uh, how you how you and your coaching staff do things there at Howard College and what you what you're put you know what you're looking to accomplish on a daily weekly monthly and then yearly basis
1: Yeah, so it's really about every day just getting better um so a typical practice day is my assistant coaches will get them warmed up about 15 minutes before practice they'll they'll have their music on they'll be getting in the right frame of mind um, then we'll come in, we'll talk about what the goals are from practice, and then we'll start. But every day we kind of have a different emphasis, whether it's an offensive emphasis, a defense emphasis, and then we try to add a couple things, whatever that emphasis may be every day. Uh, you can't try to do it all at once, at least we, we can't. Yeah. Um, so we, we focus on just, we're getting better at this, thing, or we're working on our stunning, or we're working on this, So we're working on front of the post, or whatever, whatever it may be on the offensive end is, um, whatever you're working on posting getting big and h&f or whatever it is so i think that's really the main thing And every day just constantly constantly get better constantly get better and if you work focus on every single day then by the end result you'll be pretty happy with it but Mm -hmm. it's so easy to focus on the end result and not worry about where you're at right now yeah i think it's just it's just a daily process Mm -hmm. uh
0: how how is a typical practice going to flow what uh and, again, every practice is different. If you have if you have 70 practices, you're going to have 70 different practice plans. I understand that. But yep. as you're constructing your practice plan for, for our coaches that are listening, uh, what's your philosophy? How do you usually kind of have things flow in a typical practice?
1: Yeah, so we'll start. Uh, as soon as we start, we'll usually have the first four to five drills scripted to where they'll know. It's almost every single day. So we'll go from one drill right to the next drill, right to the next drill, right to the next drill. It's just a sprint to each drill. Um, and we don't like to stop. We'll put the water bottles underneath the baskets. Um, and then if they're out of the drill, they're free to drink it, but we don't like to stop and take breaks for water and we're just constantly going. So as soon as we finish those four or five drills, I'll yell out a drill that they're familiar with after you teach them, obviously, and they go right to that drill. That's the way you, you just, you proceed, um, throughout practice, usually about an hour and a half, somewhere mm-hmm. in that area. But we try to have it really, hopefully high energy, hopefully high pace, um, now we stop and teach a lot don't get me yeah. wrong we, there's a lot of times where we, we stop and it slows down or it might be a teaching segment where we're working on five on oh or whatever or we're talking attention and detail that's so where they have the chance to kind of catch their breath. that's not constantly go 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 i mean mm-hmm. i think I mean, attention to detail is huge
0: mm-hmm. it
1: really is so just every single thing breaking it down the way you want it. you see something you don't like do it again and do it correctly
0: mm-hmm. those those four or five scripted uh drills is it kind of basically the same four or five drills every single day or is it is it a group of seven eight and here's the four or five we're doing today how do you do that
1: and and what are they or what are they i'm sorry so we'll huddle at half court and then we'll break from the huddle and we'll go right into two line layups i'm talking about sprinting two line layups we'll go right side everyone will go through once when it comes back, the person on the right side will just jump stop, left-hand bounce pass to the left. So we don't do don't one; we don't stop and throw it over and say left side. It just jump stop, bounce pass to the left side, and we keep going. So we'll go right, left, right in the middle. Um, we'll go right from that into lane slides to where we'll have on the lane you'll have one guy below, one guy up top looking at each other, and we'll slide back and forth five times. On the fourth slide, the next two guys go. So we'll do that. And then we'll go right from there to where we'll have – We have right now we have 13 players. So we'll go right from there to where we have seven balls set up on the on the side. We'll sprint from there. We'll go right to one-on-one zigzags. And we'll zigzag the half court. Hopefully we're going full speed. Um, and then we'll, from that we'll go to what we call it four-on-0 fast break to where we're working on getting four shots, layup, layup, point guard three, then kick back to the we're throwing the ball in for a layup. So that's really just to kind of get – hopefully get loose – also focuses on our identity, hopefully guarding a little bit to start. we're in the right right frame.
0: Mm-hmm. And then from there, you just go into whatever you think is best for the day, right?
1: Yeah, yeah. right, yeah. right. We'll go right from there. We'll go into whatever we're working on, whether it be whether it be shell or uh, whatever the teaching point is for a certain drill, whatever the emphasis is. We'll probably hit that emphasis next after that, mm-hmm. um, and then we'll flow into. Our typical, our typical practice to where we'll eventually lead up to playing 5-on-5. Five five. I don't think there's really any substitute for, for playing 5-on-5, five five, letting them play, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll do offense, defense, offense a lot, and we'll build up to where we do short games. Um, one of my favorite end-of-game drills as far as working on late game is we call it 66 game. I'm sure you're probably familiar where it's the score is 66-66. And you jump it, tip it off, whatever you want to do when the clock hits seven when someone scores 70 the clock starts so it stays gotcha. it stays at two minutes um and you just get a lot of different situations that's why i like that you get a lot of different situations with that
0: one mm-hmm, mm-hmm. i like that that's that's a good concept i think uh uh darren hansen at at uh, he used to be the coach at nebraska omaha yeah and that yeah. was and that was one of uh, he was at a clinic here at, in omaha and, and he showed us that drill and i i haven't used that one but i like the concept of it uh, right. to, to kind of put the kids in those special situations, uh, that type of mm-hmm. thing. So, uh, Anything else on your practice plan, Coach, that you want to share that, that you feel like you you and your staff do really well there at Howard College?
1: We try to do it. I mean, I try to do it as soon as the practice is over. If I can, I try to go to my office and just write down some notes from that practice. Why well, It's like fresh in your mind. You know why when you walk out of practice, you're like, man, I, we, we could have done that a lot better. That wasn't very good. Mm-hmm. Let's change that. Or that was really good. Let's change that. So, I mean, I try to, like, uh, post-practice notes if I can. So that way when I come back, whether it's the next morning or later that night, and looking at the next practice, I can look at things that I think were very good, you know, right when I walk out of practice. So that's something I constantly do, and um, every practice is typed up i want to make sure i put them all on a file like so i can look back at practice from three to four or five years ago whatever it may be so i think just it really helps too when you're going through your struggling like man i need a drill for this you can look back at your old practice mm-hmm.
0: point, so. yeah as, you, as your career has advanced as you've worked with other uh coaches from your time that you were at little priest in winnebago to this year at Howard, how is your practice or has your practice philosophy evolved in between those two head coaching stops? There,
1: yeah, it, it definitely has. I mean, I've learned, I've just learned so much from that time to now. You mm-hmm. know, I've got, I've been fortunate to work under some really great coaches. When I was when I was in Mississippi Gulf Coast for years as an assistant, worked under Wendell Weathers, who's a who's in the Hall of Fame at, at Gulf Coast and just a great person and a great coach. Learned so much from him um man i learned so much from coach gillespie and honest coach andre andre owens too in a couple weeks there at western Texas, so and just a lot more friends you know your network grows you get some of the people that can help you and you just got a beck a spud and try to learn all the time i think so it's a lot different now
0: absolutely coach cooper thanks so much for your time this uh this fine uh, afternoon i really appreciate it uh any any uh any social media you'd like to share about uh, for yourself or your for, for your program? If folks want to know more about you or what you're trying to do there down in Big Springs, uh, yeah, you know how can how can folks learn more about uh, you or your program?
1: Yeah, sure. It's so, um, on Twitter. I believe it's a, my Twitter is a Coach Cooper with an underscore at the end of it. Um, feel free to give me a follow, shoot me a direct message anytime. I'll make sure I respond. Um, and also our 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 team Twitter page, I think called Howard Hoops um feel free to feel free to follow us i mean i'm excited for the year um thank you good. thank you again for having me on
0: yeah well i uh i hope you've uh hope you've enjoyed your time on a pen and a napkin here coach
1: yeah it's been great hopefully i didn't mess it up for the future JUCO coaches. <laughs>
0: we are we are <laughs> we are one and oh when it comes to our JUCO, juco coaches you have you have not shut the door on the junior college uh, uh, coaches. So, uh, no, I I had a hunch this was going to turn out really well, and and it definitely has. So, uh, Kyle, I want to thank you so much for your time today. If you could hold the line a quick second here while I wrap up a couple of things, uh, we'll kind of roll from there. Perfect.
2: Sounds great. Thank you again. All
0: right. Yeah, you bet. Uh, Again, Kyle Cooper, head men's basketball coach at Howard College and Brig... can't talk big springs texas there we go uh junior college in texas want to thank him for being on here today of course we want to thank our founding sponsor cossack chiropractic uh again if you are in any need of any chiropractic services in the omaha area give dr kevin or dr heidi a call 402-964-0300 follow us on twitter at a pen and a napkin we try to put out daily coaching tidbits on the twitter handle Questions, comments, suggestions, ideas, email me at pen and a napkin at gmail.com. Download, rate, review. Give us five stars. Give us some love out there in, in the iTunes land. Check out a penandannapkin.com. And of course, if you'd be so kind, go to patreon.com backslash a pen and a napkin to help us out. Again, it's been a, it's been a, pleasure and a privilege to have kyle cooper on here this week we are one and oh when it comes to our juco coaches (laughs) and we will have an we will have another one on Uh, maybe i'll ask coach cooper off air here who's the next one i should have on here for for junior college coach but no uh terrific job today hope you enjoyed it coaches as always let's be sure to hone our craft one day at a time